0: Very good morning, everybody. Significant progress on stimulus. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says U.S. lawmakers are closing in on a new rescue deal, as Warren Buffett tells CNBC Congress must pass a new agreement soon.
1: It would be so foolish to uh, to not follow through on this and enable those people to get back to where they could um, do the kind of business they were doing before. It's an economic war.
0: The Fed keeps markets guessing ahead of its December meeting with policymakers expected to improve economic forecasts but stop short of expanding the bond-buying plan.
2: ECB asking banks to hold off or limit dividends until September next year but does ease its blanket ban on payouts for lenders across the block. And shares in China's biggest... Uh, Chipmaker, SMIC, sink uh, after the co-CEO says he intends to resign, whilst his stock also gets deleted from the MSCI's global index alongside uh, six other sanctioned companies.
3: Apple suppliers in Asia trade higher on a report suggesting that tech titan will ramp up iPhone production by 30% in the first half of next year.
0: So let's kick off the program talking about the prospects for some form of stimulus agreement then in the United States. Apparently U.S. lawmakers are closing in on a new coronavirus relief package. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said overnight, negotiators have made significant progress. Adding he is optimistic a deal can be reached sometime soon. This comes after congressional leaders held a second meeting on Tuesday to try to end months of standoff over pandemic relief lawmakers have agreed not to leave Washington without passing a deal. Warren Buffett sounded a dire warning, telling CNBC Congress needs to pass a deal soon to help small businesses.
1: It would be so foolish to, uh, to not follow through on this and enable those people to get back to where they could uh, do the kind of business they were doing before. You know, it... Uh, it, 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 it's an economic war and and uh and certain you know when we went into world war II, a lot of industries were shut down and and uh everything went over to defense production well we've shut down a lot of people in this in this particular uh induced recession and and others are prospering and i think that uh, i think the country owes it to the you know, really millions of small business people.
2: All right. Warren Buffett there, who uh, I presume is long the market, uh, hoping to get a stimulus for the market. I mean, sorry, for the economy as well, as, as, as perhaps Jeff and I were pontificating off air as well. So, look, there's stuff you know that's going to move the market, almost certainly. And there's stuff that will move the market that we don't know about. You know, the old Rumsfeldian debates about known unknowns and known knowns, what have you. And things you know will move the market pretty much, you think, at least anyway, uh, will be a stimulus, a hopes of a deal stateside and hopes of a deal on this side of the Atlantic as well. On Brexit. And look, it looks from the scribes that we are inching towards something on both sides of the Atlantic. So maybe a Brexit deal plus a stimulus deal will act as a further catalyst as we go into the thinner liquidity, thinner air parts uh, of this market in the, the last few trading days of December as well. But again, both of those mean the lawmakers are actually going to have to work a little bit harder. Certainly, MEPs and MPs in the United Kingdom as well uh, may have to delay their Head for the Hills Christmas break. And maybe the same. Uh, with Congress stateside as well. But that said, uh, the markets came out of the gates really quickly yesterday and then kind of stayed there. The Dow was up 300-odd points pretty much early on and and, and consolidating a position uh, at 30,199. The S&P 500... 36.94. 36.94. We've got a bit of Fed uh, today, haven't we, as well? So keep an eye on that. And uh, the Nasdaq up 1.3%. Let's have a look at the Russell 2K. We're looking at some of these record levels. and Look at that for a chart. Goodness me. Uh, Russell 2K um, surging to yet another record level. Do you want the year-to-date moves? I gave them to yesterday. I'll do it again in case you weren't paying attention. Uh, the Dow year-to-date, 5.8% higher. The S&P, 14.4%. The Russell 2K, 17.5% higher. And the Nasdaq it's only up 40%. 40%. Yes, sir, utilities, fun enough, was the best performing sector, up a couple of percent. But 11 out of 11 sectors were up. Let's move on and take a look at the opening calls for European markets. Hard work for Europe, yes, sir. certainly hard work for the FTSE as well. Really isn't doing much between 65 and 6600. Again, is there a catalyst out there for it to break out if we get a Brexit deal? Uh, and as Jeff was pointing out to you, I think it was on Monday, the problem is, of course, if the pound does continue this trajectory higher as well, that puts in a mechanical. Um, barrier to the FTSE 100 and its dollar earners uh, making a big leak up upwards. But again, many people think both can move in tandem towards the upside. Let's have a look at the Asian indices as well and where we're currently trading here. And it's OK. It's I mean, look, the Shanghai Composite and the Nikkei really not moving too high. But the Hang Seng over in Hong Kong and the ASX 200 uh, moving between 07 and 0.8% higher. But again, technology stocks looking good. Uh, high hopes. Karen, good morning to you. High hopes this holiday season as ever for Apple and its suppliers.
3: Good morning, Steve. Yes, a huge focus on devices and what's coming in the new year. Apple and its Asian suppliers, are you can see in the Asian trade, those Asian suppliers are trading higher. After a Japanese newspaper, a Nikkei reported the US tech giant plans to raise iPhone production by nearly 30% for the first half of next year. The move would see Apple make 96 million phones if production is not impacted by component shortages. The Nikkei reported that overall production for 2021 could hit about 230 million phones. That is a fifth more compared to the latest four-year figures from 2019. Apple shares ended 5% higher on Wall Street, Jeff.
0: SMIC shares are sharply lower after the company said it's aware of reports its co-CEO intends to resign. A letter from Mong Song Liang has reportedly been circulating online with the chipmaker saying it is verifying these intentions with the executive himself. Meanwhile, index provider MSCI has dropped shares of seven Chinese companies from its global indices after the US placed restrictions on those businesses citing ties China's army but MSCI will retain the shares on alternative new indices. Uh, Sam joins us uh, with more on the story here. So the SMIC story looks rather opaque Sam at this point but we do have some clarity around the decision that's uh, being taken by MSCI.
4: Yeah, well, this decision by MSCI was sort of widely expected. It didn't come as a huge surprise, particularly given we have seen the FTSE Russell and the S&P Dow Jones making similar moves in recent weeks. But it has become uh, the latest index provider to now delete these uh, Chinese companies, really limiting exposure uh, to these stocks. As it says, it will drop seven Chinese companies from its global uh, indices from January the 5th. Now, of course, these companies are those that have found themselves on a U.S. defence blacklist. List in recent months over their alleged ties to the Chinese military. And we are talking about some big names once again here. So you've got uh, China Communications Construction, which is one of the uh, leading contractors on the Belt and Road Initiative, CRRC, a big manufacturing company, China Railway Construction, Hike Vision, which is a big surveillance uh, equipment maker. And uh, many of these uh, shares in these companies have taken a hit today. Now, Trump did recently sign that executive order, effectively banning Americans from being able to uh, uh, trade shares in these companies that have found themselves on this U.S. defense blacklist, and so in a statement, MSCI has said that this move was based on the feedback of more than 100 market participants, in which it concluded that that executive order uh, was uh, had a significant impact on the investment processes of global uh, investors. So that really does go to show uh, that this is market participants really driving this move. So MSCI says that subsidiaries and affiliates of these companies. Companies Named will not immediately be affected, but it will announce the final uh, list of these deletions on December the 30th. Meanwhile, as you mentioned, it will launch versions of its indices uh, to keep these uh, deleted securities. Now, as you mentioned, SMIC uh, has been one of these companies that have found themselves on this list. And we have seen shares in that company taking a significant hit today. And as you suggested, that did come after reports uh, that its CEO is intending to resign. So uh, over uh, in Shanghai right now, we are seeing uh, SMIC down over 5 percent. Its Hong Kong listed shares were uh, halted this morning. We have now seen those uh, resuming. They are also taking a bit of a hit. The company says its board is aware of Liang's intentions to leave his position after Liang's surprise resignation reportedly did the rounds of online media outlets. And so uh, the company said it's working actively to try to verify uh, Liang's uh, plans now and has offered no further the details, because this is significant, though, of course, because SMIC uh, is widely seen as a key player in Beijing's uh, tech ambitions now. But it really has uh, been facing a crackdown uh, in the US. And of course, uh, it has now uh, found itself on a number of these uh, lists by these uh, global index providers. Guys, back to you in London.
3: Index Guys, Sam, thank you. For you. A very significant story for China's tech ambitions. Thank you for breaking down the detail. Let's push on to the latest around central bank news and the Federal Reserve today will deliver its last policy decision of 2020 as the Open Market Committee concludes its two-day meeting later on today. Policymakers led by Fed Chair Jay Powell, will weigh the positive vaccine news against the worsening pandemic in the United States. The central bank is likely to keep the key interest rate near zero and potentially signal to pin it there for years to come. Some analysts also expect the Fed to extend the duration of the bonds it buys. Some of Europe's leaders will be allowed to resume small, lenders rather, will be allowed to resume small dividend payments from the new year under new conditions set out by the European Central Bank. This after the ECB and other central banks urged lenders to suspend dividends and bonuses amid the onset of the pandemic early this year. Let's get out to anetta more. anetta. we've been discussing this one at length and what we've seen in other areas from the United States to the UK, pressure from some of those lenders to pay out dividends. And even when it comes to Europe, there's been a sense that the lenders themselves have been trying to stockpile some of the the cash, save up so they can pay out the dividends and manage to hit all the right metrics. So the ECB will will wave the green flag. But it seems like there are some obstacles still for some of those lenders in terms of payouts.
5: Yeah, of course, there are obstacles because clearly we are still in the middle of a huge crisis. And the ECB is very much concerned that banks could actually pay out too much dividends or could actually even uh, buy back shares because valuations are still very cheap given um, the attractiveness they are having um, for for investors. So what we are having now for the Eurozone is stricter than in the UK. Um, The ECB is saying that banks are only allowed to pay out uh, 15% of uh, their past two years profit and not more than 0.2% of their common equity. In the UK, it's 25%. So I guess that makes them potentially less attractive. But in RIA, the chair of the SSM, which is the uh, single supervisory mechanism, which is the banking or the supervisor in the Eurozone and overseeing 113 banks is also saying that, um, that now I think we're moving into a year which will have less uncertainty. And they're also saying that by September, they are planning on lifting the plan and resuming uh, normal um, supervisory uh, methods for dividend policy. But I guess which is more crucial and more important for the banks currently, they're also urging the lenders to um, be very moderate um, or to adopt extreme moderation, that's their wording, with regard to reliable remuneration. And I guess this is very crucial and that might be a headache for many banks because clearly investment banking was doing so well in the last year that many of those Guys want to have a solid bonus because clearly their their unit has been performing so well. So I guess this is very this will be very interesting to see how banks are going to adapt that recommendation and whether they are going to adhere to the ECB's um, yeah recommendation. Once again, they are saying that especially for risk taker staff to be implemented. With that, back to you. Yeah.
3: Thank you very much for that, Neta. Well, clear distinction we are seeing between the difference in what uh, the ECB is allowing versus the Bank of England. Up to 25% of profits can be paid out for the past two years in the UK versus the 15% that's been fleshed out by the ECB. So there is a, a difference for those income seekers if they do want to be exposed to the banks across Europe at this stage. And of course, a few restrictions when we talk about some of the United States lens at this point. One of the other big questions is whether the banks have prepared correctly for NPLs that could be coming down the line. And what we've seen by some of the bank analysts concerns that there's an optimistic scenario. And don't forget, if you think about this lockdown, no one really thought we'd be going into a, another wave of lockdowns nationally across countries. I mean, a couple of months back, we were talking about the no, not having a need for these national lockdowns, that they could be handled at uh, regional levels. But we are in the, the strictest category in London. And clearly, that has ramifications for sectors that may be hard hit on cash flow at this point. So, NPLs, are the banks preparing correctly as we talk about dividends, Jeff and Steve?
2: Look, let me just ch- chuck something out there and it will upset a few people. But who cares about the dividends? There you go. Who cares? Really? I know the income investors are chucking stuff at the wall and the pensioners are throwing stuff at me at the, uh, and, and the, the income portfolio managers. But who cares about dividends when they are such a tiny part of the overall return of a successful bank? And therein lies the point as well. If a bank is successful, the percentage moves you're going to get from that bank are going to wipe the floor with your measly 2 to 4% average dividend yield that you're going to get out of the financials as well. Let me give you an example here. In fact, I'm going to give you three examples. And I'm going to pick one British bank, one struggling bank, and UBS as well. So UBS's range over the last five years is. Seven Swiss ranks to 19.23. They currently trade at 12.57. So from their low to their high, it's about two and a half times, about 250% higher. So if they were to attain those highs, it presumably means UBS is cleaning up in its various activities. That is going to wipe the floor with your measly 3% dividend yield. Barclays, their low this year was 73p. They're actually double that now. Now, just think about that, ladies and gentlemen, they've doubled from their low, regardless of the dividend story. In fact, they, um, from their low to their high is 300% difference as well, 227p. So you're talking about three times the value from the low to the high. That kind of wipes out your 3% measly dividend yield, doesn't it, as well? And Deutsche Bank, well, here's the one, 4.45 to 19.4 is the five-year range. If Deutsche Bank turns itself round and finally has a strategy where it can compete domestically and internationally as well, look at the potential gains that this stock can have as well. Why would we worry so aggressively unless we're management who've got it? A- on or an income investor who's got a raison d'etre, why would we care about a dividend yield? It's such a tiny piece of the overall pie if a company is successful.
0: Uh, I can't disagree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll take it in a slightly different direction because I, I think that this looks like a, just a prudent decision from the European Central Bank. Um, Just digging into uh, the weeds on where we are on the MPL story, I note that uh, Global Risk Regulator carried a very good piece about how the ECB is still pushing for a bad bank in the eurozone, to mop up the legacy of NPL's left from the global financial crisis that, from year, uh, year 07 07, 09. Oh, 0709. So um, on top go. of that, Andrea Enria, the ECB, who's head of the super supervisory board there, has warned that he thinks that pandemic-related bad loans could amount to 1.4 trillion euros And that's the reason I think that the ECB is reluctant to give the green light on this because they do want to keep the balance sheets robust. And then just throw on top of that the issues around the third quarter um, lending survey that the ECB does. It does these every quarter. And the October quarter threw up the fact that banks have tightened approval criteria for loans to firms and households. Again... Coming back to the conversation we had around this desk yesterday when you were talking about the availability of credit and whether banks ought to be allowed to lend more, at the same time they are restricting credit availability to households and businesses. Well, the lending survey suggested that that's what was happening back in October So if the ECB's goal is ultimately to get these banks to keep the channels of lending open to the real economy in the Eurozone, it would be daft at the same time to say, no, you go out there, buy back your own shares, improve your return on equity, Give your executives higher bonuses because apparently the return on equity has now met the criteria necessary for them to get greater remuneration.
2: Here's another one. Again, uh, who haven't I upset today? Okay, banking analysts, let me upset them as well. If your banks are so cleaned up and if these banks are so strong now to compare where they were, why are they still trading on average in Europe at around about 0.5 to 0.6 price to book? Now someone's wrong here, aren't they? Either you, the bankers, about the value of your book, or we, the market, or I say our viewers, the market, who reckon they're worth that. And I'll just pick out some other names. ING, it's a good bank, yeah, it's a good bank. It's got its issues, but good bank. Trades on 0.6 price to book. Uh, uh, on that one as well. I'll pick out another good bank, Karen, one you and I will always pick out, which is SCH, trades at 0.55 price to book as well. And I'll go back to the aforementioned Deutsche Bank, trades at 0.33. If these banks are so cleaned up and their portfolio is so good and their NPLs is so sorted out, why are they trading at 0.3 to 0.6 price to book? Someone's got this badly
0: wrong. Well, it goes off in all sorts of directions, because if that's the way the banks are trading on a view that that's the kind of world we're going to be living in for the next 12, 24 months, because ultimately the banks only do well if the global economy does well or the local economy does well. Why are equities continuing to make new highs in some markets? But that's a whole well, that's other because of the banks, the central banks. Uh, let's take the break we'll be back in just a moment your comments are always welcome you can get in touch with us via twitter uh still to come on the program uh, we're going to find out how europe's medical regulator is hoping to push through vaccine approval before christmas we'll update you on that story in just a moment The US Food and Drug Administration uh, is um, heading towards the prospect of approval of Moderna's COVID 19 vaccine. They found it safe and, quote, highly effective, uh, bringing the biotech company one step closer to receiving emergency authorization. The health regulator will reportedly make its official decision on Friday. Despite the good news, Moderna shares ended the session five percent lower. But the company is still trading up over six hundred and fifty percent year to date.
2: And what's the dividend yield?
0: I haven't looked. No, what is, is And that's, that's exactly my point. There, oh, but that's uh, you're talking banks. No, yeah? I'm not. This is apples no, and pears. If a company
2: gets it right <laughs> with the right product, who gives her about the dividend? Just saying. Different argument. European Medicines Agency has brought forward the meeting of an expert panel to discuss and evaluate the Pfizer-Biontech—got to say Biontech now, I thought it was BioNTech, uh, coronavirus vaccine. The shot could now be approved as soon as Monday, meaning vaccinations in Europe would start before the end of the year. Karen,
3: well, Germany goes into a hard lockdown from today as COVID deaths and new infections continue to reach record levels. The rules, which include the closing of all schools and non-essential shops, are set to remain in place until January the 10th at the earliest. Family members from two different households will be allowed to gather for Christmas, but the rules will be in force over New Year's. Joining us now is Professor Hajo Zeeb from Leibniz Institute for Prevention, Research and Epidemiology. Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Germany was one of the countries we'd all watched because it was seen to be handling the pandemic well. It uh, entered lockdown light that hasn't seemed to have worked and comments in recent days suggest that the virus is out of control. So what has gone wrong in Germany?
6: Well, it's probably a mixture of things. We had a good start, uh, um, as you said, and... Uh, During the the summer obviously we had uh, a lot of easing off of restrictions, then the travelling time and uh, returns came and I think there we got it sort of uh, wrong in the sense that um, the awareness wasn't there, we didn't realise enough that this was uh, coming on again towards the winter and uh, with all the you know, other circumstances around it—cold weather, more indoors, and lack of uh, really stringent weather. This is where we ended up right now.
3: Can I ask you about schools? Because what we've seen during the latest lockdowns has been that schools have been allowed to remain open. And this is very different from the, the hard lockdowns we saw earlier in the year. As we talk about vaccines that will not be administered to those under 16, I wonder what the ramifications are if we are seeing this greater spread because schools are remaining open. And clearly, education is extremely important, particularly for those who have missed out on education in the final years, in the secondary years. What do you make of the threat, though, posed from schools and the spread of the infection as we talk Talk about vaccines circulating, but not to this area of the population.
6: Well, we have uh, had a lot of discussions uh, all around the schools, and you know, the different federal states have had uh, yeah different approaches. I would say, but in general, the idea has really been to keep uh, schools open as long as possible. There's been a lot of uh, you know testing going on, and uh, numbers were counted you know on a daily basis almost. So. It has been the feeling here that at least the schools have not been the drivers of the infection. We have had infections in schools, but certainly not, you know, to such an extent that they were seen to be, you know, fueling the epidemic in in any way. So this has been the approach, as I said, in different federal states somewhat differently. But um, now there will be even more testing and now the schools are basically closing down. So they are now in, in the game of the lockdown as well.
2: Professor, we're all learning so much more about epidemiology than we ever did, so luckily we have the likes of you and Anders Tegnell and others to talk us through this. Have we now put to bed the idea of herd immunity by letting large amounts of populations get out there and mix uh, and just shielding the more vulnerable as well? Is that idea discredited now or actually is there still legs in it, sir?
6: Well it's certainly not um, not been really uh, a core idea across many countries as, as we discussed early on in the epidemic and you know that maybe you know Sweden was uh, considered to go towards herd immunity for a while but basically it's not been the idea to, um, that was being put forward what we are looking towards herd immunity now is really that with uh, the vaccination we will be able to reach herd immunity that's the sort of uh, prime way to to reach herd immunity but I think we've seen too many you know, serious cases, too many problems in the hospitals, too many deaths, especially now also here in Germany. So this idea just, just doesn't survive on the basis of letting the infection just roam around. That doesn't work.
2: And yet, sir, this is stunningly infectious, but actually as in terms of a mortality rate compared with something like Ebola, it thankfully has a very low mortality rate compared with that as well, despite, again, the, the stunningly high infection rate as well. Have we... <sighs> Again a controversial question, but have we gone too far in focusing on this uh, despite the consequences for a whole host of other illnesses a whole host of other diseases I note in the United Kingdom the enormous backlog of cancer treatment cases as well the mental health implications have we got the balance right sir uh,
6: this is uh, this is a serious issue as you as you say I mean we do have problems with other chronic diseases, and we have a we have a syndemic, we have this corona infection on the on the back of, uh, you know, a major problem with chronic disease, especially in our countries here with an aging population, that is quite right. And and some of the treatments, some of the approaches, some of the therapies really haven't been uh, getting to the people where they need to be and our hospitals have focus on other things. So it's been hard to get this balance. And I mean, it's, it's really one, one needs to go to the hospitals and see what they have been trying to cope with, where the corona, cases are they they are really um, yeah, not not uh, able to cope in many ways anymore. so I wouldn't say we've got the balance wrong uh, it's it's just really that uh, there are a lot of requirements and and to to get through this safely has just been a major challenge and uh, well, well we'll need to see where we get now and the, the immunization you talked about the vaccination that will really help us out of all this.
0: Professor, why doesn't Europe have emergency approval at this stage when the UAE, Canada, the United States and the UK have already vaccinated their first patients?
6: Well, um, as as, uh, has been said, um, the the EMA has put their approval date ahead, I guess. So um, it's, it's going to come also quite soon. It's a matter of days indeed. so I mean, my, my argument is that it's really the main issue of rolling this out well, getting it to the people who need it, um, and, and the logistics over the next few weeks and months will be the, the crucial point, I think. Um, we have had this discussion here, how safe is the approval process, is everything going well? And I mean, the trust in all this has been a major issue also with, you know, the, the criticisms against vaccination here, so all in all, I think um, this is just how it goes. Not everything goes exactly at the same time in the same way. So we will be we will be happy to have the vaccinations here as well in Europe, um, but uh, the few days now, I mean, UK is ahead and other k- uh, countries are ahead. That that I don't think is a, is a real game changer for the time being but with pro- this few But days. Professor,
0: would you have preferred perhaps that the Robert Koch Institute or other uh, local regulators in different uh, national countries in uh, Europe had been allowed to approve and uh, set their own um, logistical agenda. It, it does it does seem overly cumbersome and slow to have one overarching regulator run the process for 27
6: countries. Well, it's it's been a good uh, it's it's been a good process over the years. You know, when there was not so this this major uh, pressure, I think, and it's been well established and it. Uh, has had its its merits and and I mean the UK was always in this as well uh, in in most decisions so I think it's it's a it's an established process but you're right I mean they, we would have liked to see them just you know walk the same path as as others in terms of speed and uh, nobody has at least shown to me so far that you know the other regulators haven't done their job so uh, I mean that, that that's that's perhaps something that you would have liked to see let them move. At a very fast pace they have moved much faster than usual already so um it's just this two weeks now that we are behind i guess
0: thank you for listening to squawk box europe express for more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com
3: or join us again on the show with jeff cutmore steve sedgwick and karen show weekdays on cnbc